McMaster University has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world, and they are some of the most amazing people you would ever want to meet. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at MAC, as we meet alumni in the arts, cutting edge entrepreneurs, alumni leading the way in health, technology, education, and more, as we learn the moments that their path from MAC became unconventional. I'm very pleased to introduce Rose Marie Gage, a 1986 Commerce graduate. As the daughter of Slovenian Canadians who came to Canada for greater opportunities, Rose has certainly gone above and beyond in finding those same opportunities for herself, carving out both a busy and rewarding career journey since entering the workforce. As a naturally curious and continuous learner, Rose later completed her charter directors in 2013 and participated in executive and leadership education at McMaster, Harvard, the University of Toronto, and Carnegie Mellon. She has worked for multinational companies, including Westinghouse General Electric and led AG Energy Cooperative, a licensed Ontario energy retailer as its CEO between 2010 and 2019. In 2019, she pivoted her career to focus on board and advisory work and now serves as a director on several boards. Rose likes to coach or assist new ventures that benefit communities or society via positive change to the environment, innovation, or commercialization in her spare time. Please join me in welcoming Rose Marie to Unconventional. Welcome to our podcast, Unconventional Rose. So nice to meet you. Such a pleasure to meet you too, Karen. Thank you very much for the invitation and the opportunity. And hello to all Mac grads, all alumni, and anybody affiliated with Mac or anybody who wants to be affiliated with Mac. Great school, great programs, uh, great partnerships. So can't say enough about the school. Oh, see, so that's always lovely to hear. So I'm going to go off script and, and usually I always ask everybody the same question first, but based on your ringing endorsement of McMaster, why did you choose to come to Mac? Like what about what, what attracted you as a grade 13 student to say, yes, I want to go to Mac? Well, um, I was a bit confused. It's probably the best part of saying it when I was um, entering into um, post-secondary uh, I didn't know if I wanted to be a computer science engineer. I didn't know if I wanted to go into business. I didn't know if I wanted to go to college and end up getting a computer a computer background. And so I was a bit at a crossroads. Uh, Mac gave me this great opportunity. I got a bursary for my first year, and that was great because um, my family was, you know, not well to do, um, and I had the benefit of being the first the first in our family at that point in time to actually go to university. So I made the choice because I had the flexibility. I had the flexibility to move into computer science if I wanted to, or the pure and applied sciences. Uh, in terms of my testing out of if I was a fit, I found out when I took uh, the math that would be the requisites to get into computer science, I wasn't a fit. So that was a really easy decision to make after the first year. Uh, and then what I decided to do, and I followed the footsteps of my brother, was to actually go into, into accounting, financial accounting. And I was having the mission to go ahead and to actually be a CA. And then in my uh, final semester at Mac, I kind of had this grand aha moment whereby I kind of said, yeah, you know what? I don't see that as being the fit for me. I don't see just doing the auditing for the next number of years, just being in this path that's already been predetermined. 
I don't see that for me. So I actually just dovetailed into really going ahead on the strategic side of things and on the marketing side of things, utilizing the financial background, but but pursuing that path. And I started off as a, a graduate trainee with a company called Westinghouse, fortunately is no longer, but the brand is still somewhat somewhat known at this point in time. But Mac gave me the flexibility uh, to be able to choose and to be able to get that uh, appreciation for the additional learning and the past that I may have open to me. So it was great because I wasn't pigeonholed into anything. And even back then, I mean, we're talking 1986 when I graduated, uh, you know, um, to be a female and to, to seek uh, higher learning was not necessarily the norm. So it was a great environment to be in. It was very diverse uh, across a variety of the different disciplines that you had access to. And it was just a great school overall and small enough to really be a meaningful part of the community. So I really enjoyed it. And I think what you describe about having that moment in fourth year, a lot of people do, right? Like I remember when I went to Mac, I thought, oh, I'm going to go to Mac. I'm going to do history. I'm going to become a teacher. And then I had my aha moment in like third and fourth year. Like, I don't really think that this is what I really want to do. And then, okay, what do I want to do? And, and figuring that out. So how did you handle that when you had that moment of yourself, that realization? Like, like, how did you mentally handle it? How did you handle it telling your parents? Because, you know, that's probably what a lot of students worry about is if they if they want to make a change. I mean, pivot is a word we all use now because of COVID. Yeah. But, you know, you and I both pivoted at the end of our undergraduate career. Like, how did how did that play out in your in your life? So let's let's take the family first. Well, actually, first of all, you know, what was what was sort of my initial reaction? It was sort of like the okay, phew, <laughs> I'm not going to have a career in this. Um, and, and I'm actually excited about the future. Not that I wasn't excited about, about being a CA, but I just didn't see the fit per se. I, especially because you have a tremendous amount of rigor as you're articling. And so, so that fit to me was just not something that I, I wanted to continue with. Mind you though, that being said, I have a tremendous amount of respect for anybody who has any of the financial accounting designations uh, because it's hard work and it's great responsibility. But that being said, it wasn't for me. Um, and I remember when I kind of had that aha moment, I was actually a TA for Dr. Ken Deal and it was for marketing research. And uh, I, I kind of tested it on him. He said, oh yeah, I saw that. I just was waiting for the moment where you would see that yourself. So that was like, okay, so this is good. Um, because I was the first in the family to actually go to university, the original conversation about making the decision to go to Mac or just to go to university was one, the one that went like this with my mom and my dad was, you have nothing to lose by investing a year or four years. You will learn about yourself. You will learn about what you like and what you don't like. And so from that perspective, I had a tremendous amount of support uh, with my family to be able to choose what would be best for me. And I think as the years progressed, once I left Mac and I was out in the real world, earning an income and becoming a professional, uh, my parents were kind of surprised that I was able to take on what I took on to take the, the different zigzags across my career path and to, to still really um, be a decent person in the way that they saw it. Because really the way they um, reviewed my success 
was how good of a person I would continue to be. So did I still have the family values that they instilled in me? And I'm happy to say, now mind you, they've both passed away, but I'm happy to say that, you know, I believe that that has continued accordingly. So, so I think they were very happy with whatever decision I made, as long as I was able to, to do something with it. So you worked for a number of multinationals, Westinghouse, Eaton, Eaton Corp, General Electric in your um, early in your career. What did you what did you learn about yourself working in really big companies? Uh, I think the thing that was one of the first uh, learnings is the company you experience is the first two levels above you. Um, because they can talk about culture, but really your experience within a company is really the two, the two levels, your immediate report line and the one you go above. Um, I think the other one is uh, when you have a good idea, it's really important to share it. So whether you see an opportunity to take cost out of an organization or to perhaps reframe a strategy that may be more beneficial, uh, the companies tend to be open-minded about that. They want to have people who don't just follow what's being told to them. They like to have that level of um, personal innovation uh, and creativity that's brought in and whether it's in the standard fields that you have or whether it's in the area of innovation. So, so I found that that uh, really bode well for me. Um, and, and I'll be very, very honest. When I started off in the graduate training program, there was only a few females and I was, uh, the, the others that had joined were female engineers and I was the only female non-engineer and the only non-engineer ever hired in. So there was a, um, uh, a, a tremendous microscope, if you wish, to be put under, but I found that, um, if you were working hard and you had rational thought behind your suggestions that your employers and the people you were with um, were really good about it. And if you looked at it from a collaborative perspective, whereby you had an idea, but you can round it out based on the input of others to make it a, a better idea, if you wish, or a better application, uh, there wasn't a problem. And so, so I found that, you know what, to be courageous, to, to communicate well, to collaborate was really critical. And that has worked exceptionally well with multinationals as well as within you know, smaller um, enterprises as well or in the not-for-profit sector. So it's something that's actually across the board. So after being working in these multinationals, you sort of took a pivot and went into agriculture, um, energy and technologies. Um, so, to me, that says you must have a passion for the environment. And so how did you meld your passion for the environment um, um, with the passion for the strategic element of your business? And how has this helped you find innovation in your career? Because it's not a traditional path. Like I no. had not heard of these companies. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's nothing traditional about me um, outside of perhaps my name. But uh, so so I think um, when, when I left Schneider, uh, we had done what we had needed to do, and I was actually packaged out of my role, which was perfectly fine. I saw the path. It was very strategic because we went from being uh, a decentralized organization across the globe to being one Schneider, and there was tremendous cost shedding. And so I had a staff of about 110 when I started, and I was number 57 out the door, so, so just in my department. So it was totally rational, totally under understandable, and um, that shift you wish, um, gave me time to focus on me and to focus on what I wanted and to focus on my family. And at that very time, when I had the opportunity of time, uh, my father was diagnosed with cancer 
uh, stage three. And so we navigated that. And uh, at the same time, I took the time to figure out what do I want to be in this next version of me? And I had decided that really at the end of the day, um, big companies were a great training ground. There was phenomenal lessons learned, phenomenal opportunities. I was given opportunities many people would, would just die for. And I'm very thankful and appreciative for everything that I learned from the corporations I worked with for and all the different uh, people that I managed to work with. But I decided that I wanted to go more grassroots. And so I had an opportunity uh, presented across email uh, via someone that I knew to say, hey, you know what? You've always desired to move up into, into you know, senior leadership. Here's a CEO role. It's a co-op. I don't know if you want a co-op. It's in agriculture. I don't know if you want agriculture, but Think about it. So I looked at it and um, it, it was presented the day before my dad ended up having a major surgery. And I, I, I sat about it and I thought about it. And I told my dad just before I was going into surgery, and he goes, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Said, I think I'm going to go for it. And he said, well, okay, then while you're waiting for me, you do that. <laughs> so, so it was very interesting because I applied and uh, I was quote unquote, the dark horse. Uh, and um, the, the headhunter that had approached me had indicated, um, like, look, you're overqualified for this role. Why, why do you want it? And I said, you know what? It, this role that's presented to me can make a meaningful impact to our food supply in Ontario. It can make a meaningful impact in terms of whatever uh, policy is with the membership. So the membership is anybody who's in agri-food or agri-tech or production. Um, and, and I can make a difference. And you know, it's a co-op, which is a completely different model. And so what you do is you work on behalf of your members to do good for your members. And so your members are at the heart of everything that you do. And so you look for opportunities to advance the energy uh, policy, as well as to facilitate in the commercialization of new technology. And one thing led to another, and I got the job. And within the, the first week, we suffered some real big challenges because uh, the, the world of natural gas at the time had changed uh, overnight, and uh, we were in really serious trouble. And so we got ourselves out of that. And then there was a solar program that was within the province, and that was changing, and, and the regulatory environment changed. Uh, and it was just a great ride. And the membership, uh, I can't say enough about it. There is something um, tremendously satisfying for meeting uh people who are either it's they're the founders or it's multi-generational and making a difference. And uh, it was just really formidable. And that role also allowed me to go back to Mac uh, as, as in the director's college and to get my CDIR. So my, my, um, my certification for, for being a director of a publicly traded company and gave me that, that knowledge. And so I had been involved previously in board work uh, on the not-for-profit side, as well as some with Schneider because I was uh, one of the board members for Schneider Canada, uh, but it gave me the opportunity to do more. And so I got more and more involved in things that supported the ag community in Ontario and in Canada. And it's just been 
thrilling. And the innovation piece, um, I have to tip my hat off to GE for that. Uh, GE really embraced innovation in 2000 and onwards. And I was part of that uh, cult following that, that GE has in terms of its employees. And uh, innovation is, is really something that's mandatory. Uh, and so you look at it, innovation and growth are, are hand in glove. And it's really a prerequisite for long-term enterprise value. And so it's been, yeah, it's been a great ride thus far. So one of the things that struck me when you were talking um, about that journey is sort of you gave yourself the opportunity to take a moment and think about what you wanted to do. And that is very scary for a lot of people. Like, <laughs> yeah, it you is. Know, like, you know, okay, like uh, I have to find another job. I should know what's next for me. So you, through your, you know, decision of you weren't going to become an, a, you know, an accountant at the end of your uh, undergraduate career and then, you know, having um, your corporate experience and then maybe taking a moment and giving yourself some time. So what piece of advice would you give someone coming out earlier in their career that would give them some comfort that it's okay to take a little moment to figure out what you want to do? So I think there's two facets to that is, is first of all, it's okay to take time to understand, uh, but don't, don't, Put off. I think there's that element of, you know, take the time, understand, and then act. Uh, take a risk. And I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in taking calculated risks. So I have a, a theory that we are each our own lottery. And so you can go and you can buy a 649 or you can buy whatever, but really the best investment in terms of anything, in terms of, of payback is really yourself. So you are your own lottery. So take the time, figure it out, give it a try especially if you're young, right? I mean, if, if you're not having to worry about putting food on the table and if you're not having to worry about a variety of different elements, if you have some breathing room, take it and try some things. And you might be surprised. Sometimes the biggest opportunities come in the things that you just really don't understand, but you need to just take a leap of faith and try it. So, for example, when I look back at my career, whether it was going to Westinghouse and trying that or whether it was going to GE, actually, the, the shift to GE was a big one because I went from uh, being a middle manager and having a staff reporting to me to and, and I was in customer service at the time to going into Six Sigma, which what the heck did I know about Six Sigma? Uh, what did I know about that? And I was going to be an individual contributor and I was going into oil and gas. And it was kind of like, that. you know what? It's time. I had, I think, maxed myself out where I was, not to say anything negative to the organization because it was a great organization. It's just I was growing and the opportunities just weren't there yet. Uh, so I decided to go to GE because of the, the bigger breadth of opportunity. And I thought Six Sigma would be a really cool thing to learn. So, you know, you go from being in marketing and uh, mergers and acquisitions to integrations to uh, customer service and dealing with, you know, the year 2000 and the migration over with the IT platforms and, and things of that nature to all of a sudden going into oil and gas and learning Six Sigma and training people within the organization. And I was commercially focused. So I had to train uh, the sales and the commercial people on Six Sigma, help them with the projects, but also introduce it to our customers. And I was... Um, given the phenomenal opportunity to actually uh, be the black belt that was associated with our largest customer globally in Canada. And it happened to be at CoPower at the time. And it was great. And that opportunity allowed me to then move into corporate, uh, which 
took the Six Sigma rule and, and then added on diversity and added on commercial effectiveness and added on all sorts of different GE initiatives that GE globally wanted the customers to be able to experience and wanted to be able to ensure that uh, the community within GE were also experienced. And so sometimes you just don't know what that one step will do. And if you take on, you know, some of these other points that I made earlier about taking some risks and leaning in and offering solutions uh, that are tangible, that people can understand and being willing to actually put the sweat equity in to be able to do it, you just don't know what will happen. Because, you know, that that time in corporate then opened up, you know, uh, the, the portfolio of GE customers. I had the opportunity to work with the Vancouver Olympics. I had the opportunity to work with private public partnerships in healthcare. I had the opportunity to work with some of Canada's largest customers. And that's an, that's an opportunity that you usually can't predict. So it was, uh, it was really great. And from there, I ended up going in and being the, the chief marketing officer for one of, um, one of the new businesses that was three acquisitions being merged into one and was becoming GE. So, so yeah, I couldn't have ever predicted that. And when I started at Mac, you know, my, my biggest aspiration was just to have a family and to, to have, you know, some level of a career that I liked, but I didn't aspire to any of that. It was just, it kind of all fell into place, I guess. So you've had a lot of experience as a member on a variety of boards. So what is yes. it about board and advisory work that you admire and you want to, and you want to be, um, you know, focusing your, your time on? Well, I think, um, Part of it is it allows me to use my exceptionally eclectic background, uh, my knowledge, my experience, uh, also my network uh, to be able to facilitate. Um, my focus typically on boards is on the strategic side or on the governance side. Uh, much, much often I also get the people piece. So, so culture gets lumped into there or HR, uh, people engagement and such. And now uh, with the movement into the environment and into social and governance, ESG, uh, that is becoming also um, part of my domain of expectations, if you wish. And um, I think part of it uh, plays well into this passion of mine of wanting to work uh, within organizations and bring my knowledge, but work collaboratively with others. Um, I think the, the director's college gave me a great opportunity to appreciate the value of a great working board and also the negativity associated with a failing board. And so it's, it's really great to be able to be part of a movement of an organization and each organization is different. So it allows me to be part of a team that, that really facilitates that governance component. And um, you also, when you're on a board, uh, act as a mentor and a coach to the senior leadership team. And so that's also very exciting. So it allows to um, go into some of the things that I really enjoy, which is seeing growth and innovation. And, you know, also when, when times get tough is to be able to facilitate with ideas or, or process as it pertains to perhaps taking um, cost out or restructuring. And so it just happens to use the eclectic background that I have. But again, where I sit right now, the majority of them um, give me the opportunity to work in a field that 
I'm really passionate about. And I'm happy to be able to be one of those statistics, uh, you know, to be on a publicly traded board and to be a female. And so that to me, you know, to, to allow to be, you know, moving the diversity aspect ahead is also really important to me. So you've mentioned about you were the first woman, I think, in, was it Westinghouse or General Electric when you went? It was at Westinghouse. Westinghouse and yeah. and uh, I was the first female who was a non-engineer. Engineer, so I think so that needs to be qualified because yeah. there were other females, but I was the only one with a, a business background. And I, I convinced them actually in my, uh, in my interview because they were looking for an MBA. And I said, why do you need an MBA? You have me. I have this honors bachelor of commerce. That's great for McMaster. You know, it's given me this, I have this experience and this experience, and I think it's very translatable and they, they hired me. So, so, you know, that was, that was great. And I think part of it is being able to sell yourself, uh, being seen in that position because sometimes they may not see you because, uh, unfortunately when you're looking at, um, being put into a role, they look to a very specific box or a, a set of criteria. And so you need to be able to convince them that you fit that criteria or better yet, you exceed what they're looking for and that you're going to bring them far more value than they even can consider. So, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, eat that frog right at the beginning and, uh, you know, not look back at it ever again. What's one piece of advice you wish you knew when you first graduated from Mac? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great question. Uh, boy, did I ever wish to know that you could dream really big and you could have whatever you wanted if you were willing to put the time and energy in it and not have a plan. Um, I was a planner, right? You know, there's, there's part of, you know, that accounting background, right, that that appeals to me, which is, you know, very, there's some prescription there. And, and um, I had these grandiose plans of just this or just that. And it, I've, you know, exceeded anything I ever thought originally. And I think the thing is, is, you know, don't be put in a box, you know, try things out, you might see that there's something else that you may really love, and may become passionate of that ever, you exceeds anything you could ever dream of. So, you know, be willing to try, don't put yourself in a box and, you know, you are accountable for your life. Nobody will take your life more seriously than you. And um, if you understand that, that you have the power to be able to do whatever you choose to do, that the only limiting source is you, I think, you know, that's a big game changer. And I know it was for me. So, so, you know, man, I wish there was a course that set the, that straight, you know, when you started, that would say, you know what, here's some guidelines about life yeah. um, because it would have made it a lot easier. Yeah. I think we all would have benefited from that. So what's next for you, Rose? Where do you see yourself professionally in five years? I, I think doing more of the same. Um, I've spent the last two years uh, working on boards and I really enjoy it. And so I see myself doing more of the same. And uh, unless I time out in terms of my, my terms or unless, you know, there's a need for, for new blood and, and new ideas, uh, I see myself serving on a number of the boards that I'm currently serving with uh, and actually taking on more board work. And on the other side also, you know, to, to help with innovation and to help companies to be able to grow. So on the other side, being an advisor or counsel to entrepreneurial pursuits 
that are, are Canadian, because I'd like to see the growth of Canadian ideas, Canadian innovation, and being able to take that to fruition where they can commercialize and they can monetize and they can see their successes. Because I, I don't think we do that enough. And I'd like to be able to help with that. So just more and more of that. And I'd like to be a good shiny example for all people that, you know, there's opportunities if you wish to take them. And so I'd like to, you know, be able to support that more as well. So as we um, start to wrap up our conversation, one of the things we love to do at the very end is have our rapid fire questions. So if you're ready, I'm going to rapid fire uh, them at you. Um, Okay. So favorite memory of McMaster. Graduation. (laughs) (laughs) Bridge gym, I would imagine. Like that's where we graduate. Yes, in the gym. Yes, (laughs) yes. And it's just um, because there's so many, there's so many memories. There's the memories of the the groups of people that uh, I became really tight with. There's, there's the different profs that, that made a difference. There's the different opportunities. There's the, the fun jobs that I had while I was at Mac because I TA'd a couple of courses. And I also was a batch operator for, for comp sci. So, you know, there's, there's so much there. Uh, but, but the graduation is really that time in your life where you say, wow, this has been a great experience. It's been a phenomenal opportunity. Now I'm being let loose into the world. And it's that, it's that, that moment in time, it's a slice in time, much like the start of your educational um, uh, time. Uh, but it's that slice in time where it's a poignant moment where you look and you see, holy cow, you know, this is real. I'm done now. And I have this opportunity to go out into the world. And so that's probably my fondest moment because I also have my parents there and, you know, a number of, of my peers that I was really close with, my friends, my really closest friends, we were all together. And so it was a very fond moment of excitement of anticipation and of, of, you know, completing something that would be very significant in our lives. So that is, is that the best one. So what book are you reading right now? Or you would recommend for someone to read atomic habits. And what's that about? Really, it's about looking at the little things that can actually have a big outcome. So there's that. Um, I actually have a number of books on the go. My absolute all-time favorite, though, is The Aladdin Factor. And that is done by Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. So this is the two gentlemen that created Chicken Soup for the Soul. And The Aladdin Factor speaks about understanding what it is that you want. So this comes full circle to to our conversation earlier. So it's about understanding what you want and how to get it and how to dream big and how to, you know, craft your vision and things of that nature. And so that was early on, very significant, but Atomic Habits is sort of the current one. And I also um, enjoy just looking at the Harvard Business Review and seeing whatever they have is the latest. So I have a lot of eclectic things that I, I tend to look at at one time, but I'm never you know, never completely finished sometimes though. Best COVID purchase. Oh, the best COVID purchase. Let's see. Oh, like I have these amazing, very large headphones. Oh. And they're noise canceling and it's Cowan headphones and they're nice and padded so that when I'm on, you know, full day meetings, uh, I have the noise canceling because we have a dog. Uh, and that that's that's the practical side. But the other just pre-COVID purchase was our dog. So we got uh-huh. a, a, a <laughs> four-month-old two weeks before COVID hit. So it, it, 
So that was my COVID purchase, but the, the best sort of all around was, was our puppy Zora. Ah, very nice. Um, what living person do you most admire? Oh, there's so many. Uh, Nelson Mandela is, is phenomenal. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, um, another one. And I think for, for different purposes, Nelson Mandela for the movement that he created for the awareness for the awakening, if you wish, for the world. And Oprah, to a degree, it's that as well, but in a in a different, in a different facet. I mean, I think she's done a, a brilliant job at being able to deal with tough issues, to be able to bring light to um, a variety of different opportunities in the world, to be able to give back, to be able to be a, a phenomenal citizen of the world. And so, so those would be two that I admire. But I actually have a lot of people that I admire because there's a lot of people both within our communities as well as on the global scale that would be amazing. What is your personal motto? Uh, well, it's two. Uh, one is you own your own life and your outcomes. And the other one is you are your own lottery. Uh, those are the two that I stick by and, and they're sort of hand in glove, if you wish. But um, yeah, that's that's my model. Um, and if I were to look at it in a more holistic perspective, uh, people are the key to success uh, because we don't we don't, and whatever you consider success to be, we don't do it alone. It's with, it's with everyone. So success is really uh, a team sport or it's um, really a community-based effort. And so all of us um, aspire to have success. And so to understand that you just don't do it on your own, you have mentors, you have coaches, you have teachers, you have family members that will support you. You have best friends, you have friends, you have acquaintances all these people become part of your journey towards success. And so that's the other facet of it as well. And finally, one song that best describes your time at McMaster. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, glory days, wow. glory days by Bruce Springsteen. Uh, because you know what? I loved my time at Mac. It was, it wasn't easy because um, I'm not the most smartest person in the room. Uh, it wasn't easy, but uh, you know what? I loved it. It was, it was an environment that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the diversity of people. I enjoyed the diversity of thought. I enjoyed the fact that I could really dream big in terms of, of the courses that I took and the potential. And so, so really, if you look at it in, in terms of, of the song, it's about you know that, that time of your life that's really quite formidable because there's no other time in your life unless you take a time out and continue in, in education. There's really no other time in your life where you have the opportunity to just be a sponge and modify your shape to whatever you think that next series of steps is going to be. So it's a great time if you want to get involved. And I, I couldn't say enough about it. And I'm so fortunate that I had the privilege to go to Mac and that I could get the grades to continue on throughout my career at Mac and that I could be a, a decent example of an alumni uh, and be able to, to give back to the community through, through a variety of ways. So I'm, I'm really thrilled about that. And yeah, Glory Days is the one. Ah, that's great. Well, Rose, thanks very much for joining us today on our podcast, Unconventional. It's been a really interesting conversation about where you started and where you are now. And, um, you know, I, I think I might have to put on Glory Days later on this afternoon. <laughs> Pull out some Bruce. <laughs> 
Thank you very much, Karen. I truly appreciate the opportunity and I am sure we'll be talking again soon. I'm sure we will. Thanks, Rose. Take care. Thank you very much.